Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters and Nuts, a vision for you big book study. My name is Rebecca, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, May 16, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 5, How Works, on page 64, the first paragraph, beginning before we started. Today's readers are as follows. Reading the steps will be Heidi. Reading the 12 traditions will be Lorraine. And reading the text will be Kim M, Shrinner S, and Hoodie. The share ID for Thursday, May 15th, is 6356. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is, that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Heidi to read the OA 12 steps. Good morning, this is Heidi, and here are our 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all things we had harmed, being willing to make to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve conscious contact with God as we understand him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us, and the power to that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to the both of readers and to practice his principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Heidi. I will now ask Lorraine to read the OA 12 Traditions. Good morning. These are our 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsively. Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive overeaters who still suffer. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. This problems of money, property, and prestige diverge us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards and committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to praise principles before personalities. Thank you, Lorraine. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the sirs, should be muted. Today, zoom our study of the big book in Chapter 5, How It Works, on page 64, the first paragraph, beginning with, Therefore, we started. I will ask Karen M., to get us started. <laughs> yes, good morning. This is Karen M. Can you hear me, Rebecca? Yes, thank you, Karen. Okay. Therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock in trade. One objective is to disclose damaged or unsalable goods, to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of a business to be successful not fool himself about use. And as I read this this morning, I think about 
on an experience when I was in college in my disease, and I got a job at a soda fountain, which was the worst job. But anyhow, the little tiny little bodied woman who was the owner of the business said to me, quote, she said, yes, you can, when you work your shift, you can have a little of everything. And that's the, that's the way she said it. And there was no little of it for me. So I just crazy there until had to call me at some point because I think what happened was they took an inventory and the fact-finding and fact-facing process disclosed she wasn't making any process. And she had a to me, please do not eat any more of our food. And I was so humiliated but still did not cause me to stop eating. So I just want to remember that because um, in that case it was food, but I, I, I do see the value of facing my defects with step four, that they might be there all along, just like I didn't want to know how bad it was until they faced the numbers. But when I face the number with step four, and especially the fourth column, I am able to release that with the help of God and the steps and move on. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Karen M. Would anyone like Karen in this paragraph? Katie G. from Boston. This is Paula Mishra. Katie G. and then Paula. Go ahead, Katie. Thanks, Rebecca. Hey, guys. It's Katie G. recovered for today. Thank God. And uh, so thrilled to be at step four, right? It's not why it works. It's how it works. And I got to this part with my sponsor and we read it through and you know I <laughs> I have a tendency towards emotionalism I don't know if anyone else can relate but it was like um, I think I had a big drama in my head and and I didn't really understand what the exact what our exact purpose was right like I just um, I just wanted to do it and, and my sponsor said to me this is a fact-finding and fact-facing process what are the facts what are the damaged and unsaleable goods in my life that I am basing my life on, right? Like I've got this inventory in my grocery store of tools, right? And what are my tools? Selfishness, manipulation, lying, and my number one, fear, right? Because it all starts with fear, right? Like I'm afraid I'm not okay. I'm afraid I'm not getting what I want. I'm afraid I'm going to lose what I have. And then I get really angry at other people, and I don't even know it. And that's what was – that was so – brilliant about this process for me, this searching and fearless moral inventory of me is that it was just my sponsor very gently laid out what the what each pro, each part of step four was. So like making my list and then, you know, listing the what it affects and then the turnarounds. Selfish, dishonest, self centered and afraid. And I didn't know what was damaged. I didn't know that I couldn't talk Katie? Katie, we lost you. Am I being heard? Rebecca? Yes, is that Katie? Yeah, I don't know. I just, like, I don't know what happened. I just heard the instructions for the meeting. Did I do something wrong? Uh, No, we just lost you there for a second, and then I was a movie who got dropped. So thank you. Okay. Lots of fear and opportunity. So I'll... It happened again, I think. 
Why don't Rebecca, can you hear me? There. Yes, go ahead, Katie. I'm sorry. I don't know what is going on. Anyway, God clearly is giving me the high five to be quiet. But what, what was so amazing about this process is I didn't know. I didn't know I didn't have the people skills. And it, it, wasn't, it was so much more beyond the food. It was about my selfishness, right, because the food's down now. Thank you, God. It's how selfishness dominated me. And most significantly, how my perceptions of situations you know, changed my life. Like, again, like I say, peep at me, and I was like, go screw. If I even smell that you were going to reject me, I reject you first. Those are just cans. Those are not going to get me into healthy relationships. Those are not going to help me stay, get connected to God. And that is the whole purpose, right, to blow my mind, to blow my perceptions out of the water so I can have a relationship with God and I can be safe and effective and useful. And i got to tell you, if you don't feel safe and effective and useful today, do the inventory because it is so awesome to be used by God. And now I promise I'll be quiet. And thanks for the opportunity to share. And God bless. Thank you, Katie. Paula, you're next. And thank you, Rebecca. This would be Paula D. Recovered Compulsive Reader, currently in New Hampshire. It starts with therefore. I love that word. So what's it there for? It's there to give us more help along the way here. Because we know here we're to look at this fearless moral inventory. Now here the truth comes up. The truth comes up that was always put down. Always looked away from. Now we're going to look toward. And then it goes on, and I love this part, and I've shared before on it. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding, fact-facing process. You know, just the facts, man, nothing. Oh, honey, I wanted to elaborate on them. I wanted to adjust them. Hyperbole, my whole life was a hyperbole. Always an exaggeration. Just the facts. Keep it simple. I love Dr. Bob for saying that. It is an effort. That's it. It is an effort to discover the truth, finally, to discover. I was never looking for the truth. I was always going the other way. If anything, I was trying to hide the truth in my disease. And then it comes down to, an, oh, I'm just going to tell you, if the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about the values. I did. Oh, I need this. I need this. I have to hide that anymore. But I'm going to go one step and take one step back here. Get rid of them properly and without regret. How often my sponsor has been on those words, without regret. You know, I actually had some moments of sadness. No. No. No sadness. No regret. Finally seeing the truth of what they were and how I was using and misusing them. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Kim? Heidi? I think I heard Kim and Heidi. Katie F? Katie F. Okay. Did I hear Kim? Yes, you did hear Kim. Okay. I'm just waiting for you to call me. Sure. I wasn't sure. Go ahead. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Oh, my name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered leader from South Jersey. One object, one object 
is to disclose damage or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without wreck. You know, I, my personal opinion is that I think that step four is the one that's complicated more than anything else in, in 12-step fellowships. I go to a that says um, in the fact that we take the program that we're currently working, we compare it to the program in the book of alcoholics and non-sick adjustments where necessary. And I am almost smiling to myself about, you know, these four steps and how complicated I made it and how I was so frustrated in getting the results. But really, I wasn't doing a four-step according to the big book. You know, it says one object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them without regret. And so what we're supposed to be doing, we're supposed to be looking, what is blocking us from God? That's what we're supposed to be looking at. Now, I, I didn't, that's why I listed all my apps so that I could not bad about myself because I was concerned about my low self-esteem. I've done four steps where I've done my chronological biographies where I've written about myself from 0 to 5, 6 to 10, 11 to 15. I've done four steps where I've written just answers to questions after questions in workbooks. I've done four steps where the first person I was told to put on my four step was me. And what have we been taught in step three that me is my problem? I'm too consumed with me. And yet the first person I put on my four step is me? You know, I've done four steps where I've been told, well, just keep eating. If you do the four step, maybe you'll stop eating. But in the doctor's opinion, I was told that when I'm in the food, I cannot differentiate the true from the false. My alcoholic life is the only normal one. So how can I have the clarity of mind to get rid of those damaged and unsaleable goods or even recognize what they are if I'm still in a delusional state of being in the food? This is such a simple process. And I have so complicated it and been so frustrated of why I, it's not working. These steps do not work. I'm doing my fourth step. It doesn't work. It says get rid of them promptly and without regret. And I would spend a year and a half in a fourth step, analyzing, picking it apart, trying to figure it out, using my best thinking to try to figure this out. Because my main object, I have to tell you, the first time I did a fourth step was to have that person I gave my fifth step to hate the people in my life as much as I hated them. My first fourth step, I, I reinforced my resentments. I reinforced my fears, and I reinforced my sex conduct because I didn't do a fact-finding and fact-facing process. I did a psychological analysis to prove why I had every right to eat. If you had my life, you would eat too. That was the main object of my fourth step. So I'd just like to do that comparison for you guys because when we do these steps, according to the exact directions, and we do them in the order that it is. Number one, we have to have the food down. I've seen four steps where people have done four steps analyzing being in the food and analyzing their food issues. That's done in step one. So I want to challenge you guys. Look at this. Is this the directions that you have done year after year? Or have you chosen or even chosen or been taught to do it in a different way? And if that's true, and if you've got results and you've got freedom, don't change a thing. But if your experience is my experience where I tried to work these steps the way that I wanted to do them, I would always go back to the food. And if that's your experience, try to open your mind. Try to put aside all your prejudices. When you read these pages, look at the exact directions. Put aside what you've done in the past. 
and do the directions specifically as there are here and see what those results will be. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Heidi? Good morning. This is Heidi W., recovering compulsive overeater in Denver, Colorado. i got to tell you, for me, that for just about here in the big book is when the real miracle for me started to happen. And after I made a decision to place myself in, in the care and under the direction of my higher power as I conceived that higher power, I just felt a sense of trust. Okay, I'm going to trust. Uh, I'm, I'm in my higher power's hands. I'm going to trust this process. I'm going to trust what everybody's on a vision for you has been talking about. And I approached it very objectively and definitely just the facts. Uh, I did not emotionalize it. I've done therapy. I didn't want to do therapy again. It hadn't worked for me. And then when I started doing those columns, when I got to that, what did I do? Uh, and I know we're not there in the book yet, but that's the point for me that I understood humility. I understood what it was to be human. And I'm always shocked and amazed that I, my first 100, like everyone on the line who's done these steps, I too, I thought I was pretty nice. I thought I was pretty good. But wow, I had been selfish and self-seeking. I'd been dishonest all over the place. I'd been inconsiderate of people. I was shocked and, and I was humbled. And uh, I tell you, it was right in the middle of this that the real sea change started to occur for me because I could look at myself honestly and say, all right, Heidi, doing it your way, it isn't working. It isn't working and this is not how I would choose to live and, and this is the illness, this is the sickness, this is what's driving me to pick up food. And uh, it, was, it was beautiful. All I can say is about the middle of this, I just changed. Something shifted deep inside of myself. And um, I haven't been the same since. And so if you're at this point, if you're fearful, you know, get excited. Because what an opportunity here. We don't very often, I don't know, any other time in my life. Not through therapy, not at work, not in my relationships. No other time in my life that I have an opportunity to so genuinely and thoroughly pull back the covers, take a good look. And, um, and, and it's not that I was evil, I was just human. And, uh, you know, following that humility was grace in that I had, I had turned myself over to my higher power and, and I felt that, that acceptance and that love. Um, I felt no better and no worse, I just felt human. I don't know how to explain it any better than that, but this is a, a beautiful part of this program. And I found it to be incredibly illuminating and effective. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Heidi W. Katie F. This is Katie F. Did you call on me? I did, Katie F. Okay. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And I just love uh, the visual that I get of this um, this paragraph, you know, uh, it is an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. Um, if the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about value. And, you know, I was doing the opposite in my life in, um, in looking at the things that I held on to so dear, you know, the way my, you know, something my father said when I was 10 you know, something um, humiliating I'd want to see, uh, an interesting moment when I was 
15. I mean, I was holding on to those things and, and giving them more value. I was giving them all this space in my head. And, you know, I, I've worked in restaurants and I've taken inventory and I have um, cleaned out walk-ins and I clean out my own refrigerator and I deal with, um, you know, there, I worked at this huge place where we did, um, we fed, you know, we had seven uh, corporate parties a day and then we, it was all over this big farm and we had um, these little refrigerators, we had little places that we kept the food, but it was only meant to be for that one day. And sometimes, you know, we had a bunch of teenagers working there and sometimes they didn't do their job and they didn't bring food back to the real walk-in and it would sit there for weeks. And I came upon this food that had been there for weeks and I'm telling you, it had no value. It had less, I mean, it was so disgusting. It was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. And, you know, that's what I did with my uh, deep resentment. You know, I tried to ice them over. I tried to act like they weren't there. I tried to focus on something else. But until I actually plucked them out and got rid of them, they were still there. And, you know, I have been absent for a long time, but as other people have shared on this line, you know, and I, I just recently did an inventory. And so I, I was able to just go back to the last time I did an inventory and I looked at these people that I was building resentments. I was building brand new resentments towards these people in my life. And, you know, if you knew what they did to me, you'd be resentful too. Well, tough luck. You know, I, I cannot live in that place. I cannot be a walking, angry, resentful person. I don't care what they did to me. I don't care what they did to me. That is not a luxury for someone like me because my default, if I keep living that way, is to find something to gloss it over with. And my default is addiction. And so I don't want to go back. I have to take these simple directions that we're going to keep reading about and follow them. I follow the directions that someone else gives me because I cannot afford to say, yes, but, but you don't understand. You don't understand how hard I have it. You don't understand what they did to me. It's just too bad. I cannot live that way. Does that mean I applaud them for what they did? Does that mean I think it's okay? No. But I am not God. I'm not the judge and jury. And that's all that we're looking to do here is to name the things that are going on and to get rid of them forever and to find out a way to live and to coexist in life without having to wallow in self-pity, regret, and remorse. And, you know, I don't have to do that today. I'm given tools on how to um, get rid of deep resentments. You know, uh, my father died 10 years ago, and I did not, I did have to, you know, do a lot of writing around that, but the deep resentment had been lifted years before because I had done this work. And, you know, I, I'm just so grateful that um, we don't gloss over our problems. We pluck them out root and branch, and then we fill it in that deep hole with uh, love, service, 
patience, kindness, all these wonderful things on how to live. You know, I, I, uh, I don't have to go all the way back down into a morass of self-pity um, and do all new damage in order to keep growing in this program. It's just one bit at a time. And if you've been around here for decades and you've never done or you feel like you've done it, but somehow you still keep going back to the food, then just do it again. Just do it again and let God completely clean you up this time. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie S. Sharon R.S., would you like to continue with the next paragraph? Yes. Yes. Hi, Rebecca. Sorry, it took me a minute to push all the buttons here to get to get online. Well, thank you. Good morning to you, Rebecca, and to all of the visionaries on the line. So good to be here. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. We stuck honestly. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup, which caused our failure, being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestation. When I first came to the step four, I was I I was not convinced that self that I was who had defeated myself. I still was at a place of feeling that outside forces others had done it to me i had i did recognize that my eating was out of control and that my life was unmanageable i had came to believe that based on seeing the recovery of others that i too could recover so i believed that a higher power could help me get recovered and i had uh accepted for God's help to help me. But this whole business of me being the, the it, it being my me that caused this, um, I really, I had a hard time with that. And, and I had a hard time uh, when I, when they said, when I was told, my sponsor told me to list the resentments that I had. I did like I resented anyone. I felt, um, and I, I felt pretty neutral. But here it says that um, self manifested in various ways had defeated us. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways had defeated us. I knew I was defeated. But what it says here, self, on page 60, it talks of these various forms of self. Um, self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity. I was in a heightened state of self-delusion when I came to step four. I was not in touch with reality, in all honesty. It real sponsor had to work me to be, to help me to see, to help me truly come become convinced that it was 
me that there were things in me that were causing the problem. And I actually had to just get started to come to come to that. And um, I just to begin to write, even though I didn't, I wasn't 100% convinced. I just had this, just, I just did what my sponsor said do. I talked about it. And I just, I began to see that maybe I was a little resentful at my mother. And, but I had buried it. I had put on the layers of of uh, that self in various form, that delusion. I, I couldn't see it. I didn't want to see it. I wanted to believe that I was okay. I was self-seeking. I was a self-seeking person, but I didn't want to see it that way. I was, I was, I was out for me. I was out to get what I meant for me. I couldn't get. I was full of self-pity. Can't see that. Uh, I felt like a victim. And it's really interesting when I look at it today. I see that biggest self-manifestation of was pity. Self-pity was the very last thing that I could see in myself. I could not see that I was that I felt victim. That life had been unfair to me. Like I couldn't push back against life because it was it was doing all of this to me and didn't matter I did back to life I couldn't change anything totally like a victim yet it that self-pity was the last thing that I came to accept and and recognize it took me plodding through just doing the thing just doing what my sponsor told me to do just accepting by little the the, the self-delusion cracked open slowly for me. It was so, I was so encased in it. And, but it just, as I started to just write down, you know, my the obvious, my husband, mother, father, and and to just look at those things and, Soon, I begin to it slowly. I begin to just see those things more and more and more, and I I did get to the point where they begin to pour out of me, and then I realized that I I was generating these um, uh, resentments in my life. I was generating them just daily. So that I would do my resentment and looking at this in the past, but then my form would fill up with things happen daily until I felt like I was trapped as resentment making machine. But just sticking with it one day at a time, working closely with my sponsor and my fellows, I needed part of a community of people because I was so encased in delusion and, and self seeking and society that I was stuck in this morass. It was so very, very difficult for me to emerge out of that. And it took a community around me to help me to feel safe enough to allow the 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 protective the protections that I had built around myself, thinking I was protecting myself actually I was more destroying myself. But it took that community of people and that strong help of that 
at the daily work with my sponsor to emerge out of that encasement. And, and so I, it is possible, and it's a better life than being, than that, what I was stuck in, the, the um, manifestations of self uh, are, are smothering. And this life is much, much better. And I hope that it emerges for you quicker than it did for me. But believe me, this work is worth the effort. This life is far, far better. And and it doesn't kill us. It didn't kill me. What was I afraid of? It is much better to come out of it than it is to stay back. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon R.S. Who would like to share on this paragraph? That's funny. This is Leia. Leia, hi. You go and then I'll go after you, Leia. <laughs> Thanks so much, Rebecca, for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leia M., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup which caused our failure. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us. We considered its common manifestations. So again, you know, the step four inventory process that's presented and taught in the big book is very, very simple and very fast, much simpler and faster than many of the other step four methods that are popular in Overeaters Anonymous. It's asking me, first we searched out the flaws in our makeup which caused our failure. Every selfish, self-centered human being... (laughs) Um, compulsive overeaters, you know, have three flawed thinking processes um, that always present themselves. Remember, the big book taught us in previous pages that selfishness and self-centeredness, that is the root of my troubles. That's the root. That's the origin. That's where it's placed beneath the surface. What is growing out of that? What's manifesting out of that selfishness and self-centeredness? If self is the root, resentment, fear, and dishonest, uh, you know, sex conduct are the manifestation. So it's very, very simple. The big book is not asking us to write our whole life story in excruciating detail. It's keeping it very, very focused here, very, very focused. Um, Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what has defeated us. We considered its common manifestations. So, again, what are those common manifestations? The common manifestations are resentment, fear, and sex conduct. (laughs) Very, very, very simple. Very simple. Resentments we get to deal with. You know, um, the fears we will deal with. The sex conduct we will deal with. So the big book's ordering of step four is basically dealing with the past, which uh, involves resentments, dealing with the future, which is going to involve fears, and then dealing with sex conducts, our relationships, and then learning how to live in the present with other people. Very simple and very, very powerful. Why was that important for someone like me? It was important for someone like me because those thinking processes that were present in my life, the resentment, the fear, the uh, sex conduct, were 
effectively blocking God out. And God could not reach into my mind, Leah's mind, and take out those things that were blocking me until I was willing to do my part. And my part was to see what they were, to see what they were, to to arc on this uh, fact-finding mission here, fact-facing mission, fact-finding mission, and to see, to examine the way it had been seen, to examine the behavior emanating from the way I had been seen. So my part is to examine that, to apply step forward, to do the work, to look at this honestly, and to do something about getting rid of them. What's that about? Well, that's the steps four through nine. The steps four through nine is the process of unblocking. It's the process of unblocking. I don't have to create um, a method here. The method has already been uh, written out for us in clear-cut directions, and you know what? It's proven. The, the, <laughs> the method doesn't have to stand on trial. The results are evident. Because these pages were penned by the collective voice, wisdom, and experience in those, from those who the problem had been solved. They had recovered. The obsession of the mind had been drought, restored to sanity. So my responsibility here in this process is to take the action step. Again, very, very simple. Very simple. Takes my responsibility, and God will take me through the rest. And with that, I thank you. Thank you, Leah. This is Becca F. from Connecticut, a recovered compulsive overeater. And I was fit at first, no one because I specifically want to share on this paragraph and felt I was being given the opportunity to do that. Um, you know, what I'm focusing on is this first, we searched at the summit which caused our failure. And for starters, I want to point out that I don't think I really knew what I was doing when I first embarked on step four. I couldn't even see I had any flaws in my makeup. I was so, um, I guess, denial. But luckily, I don't do this in a vacuum. I do this with the help of a sponsor and with the help of this book and with the help of my higher power and all of you in the rooms and on the line who are there to help, you know, take those blinders off me and help me to see myself as I really am for the first time. And I didn't do it perfectly. I didn't have to do it perfectly. I just had to follow the directions to the best of my ability. And I don't even think I really got what I was doing. I just did what I was told. And lo and behold, I got through the steps. And then when I was am now working step 10s where I get to go back and instead of focusing on like a whole bunch of flaws, I get to kind of do them one at a time, I can start seeing now how it really, really, really works. And um, when it comes to that my makeup um, the flaws in my makeup caused my failure. I'm I'm very close. My very very close friend, uh, actually relative, who struggles with food and weight. I even made amends to her, and um, she says that this 
12-step thing is not for her because she thinks it focuses too much on the negative and um, it's about putting ourselves down and she's not interested in any program like that. And I'm realizing now that it's not about putting ourselves down. It's about having God lift us up. We're the ones who are putting ourselves down and if we're so covered over and in the food that we can't even see it, how are we going to be free from it? So this program frees us from that which has caused our own failure. And it's not a negative thing about lowering our self-esteem. It's a positive thing about removing that which keeps us from God so that we can get through these steps and be free of our addiction and go on to live happy, joyous, and free. And I'll pass. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Lois. Larry. Mary Lois. I heard Lois, Larry, and who was the third person? Mary Lynn. Mary Lynn. Jean. Um, and Wait a minute, wait a minute. I've got Lois, Larry, wait a minute. And then, you know what, I'm writing, so I just, it went right out. It came after Mary Lynn. Um, Haya. Oh, yeah, Haya, right. And then who was after Haya? I don't know. I would Okay, and I think there were other people, right? Jean. Jean. Anybody else, if we have time? Okay, Lois. Hi, good morning, everyone. Uh, excuse me, this is Lois, recovered in Massachusetts. And um, I, I just had to, um, to um, we searched out our flaws. And when, when, I, when I think about my first, my first um, time reading this and sharing it with a, with a um, sponsor, you know, me, that was so foreign. Um, I, I was... I was always, uh, first of all, I had such a fragile self-esteem, you know, that in the of our, you know, if anything wrong, our, everybody's first um, impulse was to find somebody to blame, you know, and if you were to blame, you know, that you were, you, it was it was a terrible thing to be, be at fault. That's the way I understood it. For me, it was a terrible thing to be wrong, to fall, to have even made a mistake, but I was full of fear, just of fear all my life. And so for me to, you know, even beginning about searching out a flaw, you know, was totally, you know, totally fearful. And it wasn't until I was able to be introduced uh, a fellowship, you know, where other people who were like me, even though I didn't think they were as scared as me, or, you know, as beaten down as me, you know, were sharing that, you know, that I began to even explore uh, the possibility that I could do so, you know, it was just the beginning. It was the uh, first time I had ever learned that um, there was something in me that wasn't working, that was causing my relationships, my life, to be uh, in turmoil and were not helpful to me or anybody. So, you know, I was just, it was just the beginning of the possibility that I could do this without a lot of fear. And, and for me, uh, once I really understood and really understood that con uh, that concept and 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 heard how other people practice it i was i was very hopeful 
Not that not that I was wrong because I felt wrong all my life, and it seemed as though I was wrong. Everything I did was wrong. It was like riding a horse backwards through life. But for me, it was it was a hope and a possibility that if there was something I could do, because I, I I always had I I considered it a gift. I wanted to learn and I wanted to try <clears throat> because I was desperate, and and I began to get that message that maybe if there was something I could do to correct my thinking or to learn a new way to handle things, that this was going to be um, a hopeful way for me to practice this program, and I'm going to pass after that. But thank you so much for your for your sharing this morning, and I'll pass. Thank you, Lois. Before we go on to Larry. There's five people on the list who want to share, and technically we have five to maybe ten minutes if we push it. So if everybody shares would be willing to pare it down and keep it short, more people on the list may get a chance to speak up. Otherwise, they could share in the second hour. Go ahead, Larry. Good morning. Uh, Larry, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Um, I'll be brief. Um, you know, one of the things that that, that I that I learned um, in step four, and I try to share with others, just based on my experience, is um, I don't have to understand, you know, why this works in order for it to work. Um, I don't have to understand, you know, why, um, you know, how, how exactly how the brain works, you know, in order for if I had a tumor in my brain, you know, it, it has to be removed. And um, and and that's going to be you, you know something that I'm going to have to go through, and that's going to that's go, that's going to solve you, you know my my particular problem. And I think one of the things that I that I've recognized with step four, um, if you can analyze it, I want to have I have it figured out as why you know why do I have to search the resentments, and I want to do it perfectly. You know, I want this to be a perfect process. That speaks more to my control. I do not give myself a spiritual awakening, a psychic, complete psychic change. My higher power did that for me. And um, so, you know, it's just with that that I, you know, that I that I want to, to share that, you know, um, this isn't about perfection and it isn't about, um, it's, it's about being honest and looking at our, our resentments, our fears, our sexual conduct. And let's not make something bigger out of this. Let's not make this into a mountain. Um, it is a it is a simple process. You don't have to have an I, a high IQ for this to work. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry. Mary Lynn. Mary Lynn. Okay. Why don't you go, Haya, and then it's Mary. Mary Lynn. Hi. Oh, Mary Lynn. Go ahead. Yeah. Hi. This is Mary Lynn, recovered in Connecticut. Um, my experience here is with the fear. And after 22 and a half years in OA without recovery, when I got to this step, I head to the amends part and paralyzed me, totally paralyzed me. And it was week after week, and my sponsor was asking me how things were going, and I was saying, oh, uh, this problem or that problem, and making excuses. And then finally, um, praying about it, I decided to tell her the truth and um, give her this um, issue that I feared. And she was able to give me 
the most simple of solutions, which I would have never thought of in 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 this whole entire world, because I I had myself beyond belief, um, almost in jail. So I put that out for anyone who might duck in the fear and have gotten themselves into the ninth step without even starting the fourth. And I am so grateful for everyone on this line. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mary Lynn. Chaya? Hi. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. This is Chaya, very grateful, recovered, compulsive eater and bulimic in Denver, Colorado. So I'm just reminded in this paragraph that just a few paragraphs earlier when we were taking step eight, it said we had a new employer. And they equate this step, step four, with um, a business, right? A business has to take inventory in order to stay uh, profitable. And um, so I have to look at me, (laughs) this self, like a business, and I have a new employer. And so if a new employer... Uh, takes over a business, the first thing they do that hasn't been profitable or even that has has been profitable, but we know for for us or at least for me as in, in my in my um, in my disease, I was not profitable um, so as a new you know having a new employer, the first thing would be to take inventory to see what's going on here and clear away the stuff that is not uh, beneficial to the business and here's the deal. They just they do it, but then they keep doing it periodically, so that the the business continues to get profitable and hope more profitable and more profitable, and that's what goes on with me. So that's why I'm be searching. Yes, search and fear less. I always tell people you should be fearful of not doing the inventory process <laughs> because that'll weighing your disease. Um, but my experience has been that. Follow the directions. They're giving us directions. Follow those directions. And guess what? It'll be functions the rest of your life if you stay in step 10, uh, step 11, and step 12 to stay recovered. So we're in the process of getting the business up and running profitably. And then to stay profitable, we're going to continue that process. So there's nothing to be done with. This is something that step 10 is going to call on us to do the, pro- the inventory process. This that we're discussing was just the first part, first step in the inventory process. Toy process is four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. And they have to do one or all three. Because I want to stay recovered. I want to stay profitable. But I have to get there first. And this is the process. This is the first part of that process. Thank you. Thank you, Chaya. Sue G., would you like to share briefly or save it for the second hour when you'd have more time? Sue G. Jean, same question to you. Would you like to share briefly or wait until the second hour? Sure, I have a brief comment, Rebecca. And that's Jean, correct? She covered in Oregon. Okay, right ahead. Thank you. Um, the last of beacons was what was defeating us. Um, is Bill's genius or the collective group writing this, helping Bill write this, um, to remind us once again that what's at stake here. And for me, I, I uh, remember pre-OA, I went into a uh, um, therapy thing with a bunch of people with weight problems. 
And I remember saying to the moderator, this uh, budding psychologist, I guess, I said, um, it just seems like there's this this fat lady syndrome that I see. She's got a red face. Her arms are just pumping. She's always on a mission. You know, what is there about this aspect of this personality um, that that drives us? I don't get it. And she was embarrassed that I would raise such a question. And everyone else in the group was uncomfortable. And so was I. I felt like I had been rude to kind of brand us all as creatures like that. And... Um, and so I ended up leaving the group. But now here we are, right here, reminded once again that, and then the pages preceding are so detailed on what this self is. And it's a humiliating uh, place to be in. It's not a lovely picture. And I vaguely knew that that was what I was about, but I had no way out of it. And now what they're saying here is if we really buy into it, you know, then we can get things on paper and we can see it and get some clarity and have some freedom. Um, but we must be convinced that self is in us. And I like that Bill gives us a strong reminder here before we launch into the resentment work that we need to be convinced. So maybe we need to go back and have another look 60 to 60 Three and be reminded of how we've been trying to control and potentially run the show. And that'll pass. Thank you, Jean. Everyone who is shared, we will close with the read from the big book on page 164 about serenity prayer. Will Hoodie please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Certainly. Good morning, Rebecca. So much for This is Hoodie, recovery compulsive overeater. Our book is meant suggestive only. We realize we know only God will disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own health is in order. But obviously, transmitting you haven't got. See that your relationship with him right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him to your fellow. Clear a wreckage of your Give freely of what you find and join us. Shall with you ship a spirit, and you will surely meet some of us and trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you. Thank you. Until then. Pass.